You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Well, this morning we continue on our series in the beginning, uh, looking at key passages where God establishes truth and understanding. And uh, I said last week I wanted to do kind of a series within the series. I think uh, one of the topics that is, uh, it's a hot topic in society right now is, is what is family? What does family look like? Last week I looked at marriage and the specific uh, role or, or design that God created for marriage. And today I want to look a little bit further and I want to go deeper looking at the family unit. And what is our role as being a part of the family? We're either husbands, wives, or children and family. Whether we're older, growing up, whether we're younger, we all have a part to play within our family. Yes, sadly, the biblical definitions of man, woman, husband, wife, even child are kind of up for grabs in society at the moment, whereas the biblical truth states very clearly how God determined it and designed it to be. So we want to look at that again today and uh, look at specifically the roles that we each have within our family. When a society refuses to acknowledge the truth of God's word, we, at our own peril, put ourselves to the fire. And the fire will test and prove what is righteous, what is right. And so as, as Christians, we don't have to be afraid, but we do have to understand We do have to live according to the truth that God set out and determined in his word as we accept and practice the order God established for us. If we would see it restored in our own family and prayerfully walk it out, I believe the generations that will follow us will say, thank you. Thank you for standing for what is right. Thank you for building families that would honor God. So last week, we established God's design for marriage. Today, we're going to look in Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, as Paul expands and develops and talks about the roles within a family. So we're going to read from Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to pop into Ephesians chapter 6 as well. Ephesians 5, 22 to 27, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the saviour of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with a washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. We pick it up again in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And lastly, Verse 4, and you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that is a light to our path. It's a lamp to our feet. And God, I pray today that each of us would understand the key role that we would have, whether we are a husband, a wife, or whether we are a child. Even growing up adult children, Lord, we we can honor our parents. And Father, I pray that today you'd you'd speak to us. Holy Spirit, convict our hearts. Lord, if we're out of line, if we're not walking the way you would ask us to walk, would you show us what we could do? 
what we could adjust, what we could change in our life and our, in our understanding and attitude so that we would walk according to your design for family. In Jesus' name, amen. If there's ever a passage of Scripture that could cause a little bit of uh, controversy or ruffled feathers in, in church, it could be this one. could be. But should it? But should it? If we truly understand it and we truly live it, is this not a glorious piece of Scripture given to us so that we could understand how God designed family to be? I want to talk about four things today, four roles within family. Number one, wives, submit to your own husband. Two, husbands, love your wife. Three, fathers, train your children. And four, children, honor your father and mother. I want to put this passage in context by starting at the, at the first verse of chapter 5. Because it's, it's important we understand that Paul is talking about a, a submission and why we should submit and how we should submit. It starts off in verse 1 by commanding us to imitate God by living a life of love, following Christ's example who laid down his life for us as the church. He Then he speaks to the, uh, the things of the flesh, the response of the flesh, sexual immorality, greed, coarse joking, you know, jokes that are, are just, just out of line and out of place. Paul then says, come on, live in the light. Live in such a way that pleases God. Don't participate any longer in the things of darkness. It's like a shaking up of the church. Paul's going, come on, come on, wake up, wake up. In Revelation, we see there was a, a rebuke to the church in Ephesus to which he writes, saying you've left your first love. It's like a, a reminder, come on, come back to this place where you love me. Then in verse 15, there's kind of like a shift in this passage as Paul warns. He says, be careful how you live. Don't get drunk on wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit of God, with hymns and singing and song. Would you present your request to God? You know, as, as this praise, this declaration, making music to God, giving thanks in your heart. And then we see a transitional verse that takes us from this passage in 5 right through to Verse 20, and then in verse 21, all of this, the life filled with the Spirit, it says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So, so, so in, in that passage, those, those verses leading up, and I'd encourage you to read this whole passage, chapters 5 and 6 together this week, to get a full understanding of what Paul was saying. But he was saying as Christians, we must submit to one another, whether old or young, male or female, in the fear of God of God. In other words, because it's right, because that's what he asks us to do. Can I make it really clear? Reading this passage in its full context, we see the clear line of understanding from Paul that says, if we are a spirit-filled believer, meaning we've received Christ as our Savior, therefore his spirit has, has entered our lives and he is the one who we are living for and, and he is inspiring and he is leading us, this should be our response. We are called to be humble and submissive to one another. You know, Paul, he confirms later on that there is no one superior, no one greater than the other. That, that, that thought in Galatians 3.28, there's neither Greek nor Jew nor slave nor free, male or female. Submission, submission is mutual amongst humans. And the fear of God is the basis for this submission, which means that a male can submit to a female boss and vice versa. 
With that thought of mutual submission understood, he then moves to the specific roles and relationships within family, children and parents. So verse 22, he says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Paul's instructions to wives, remember the female partner in our marriages we established last week. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Here we see a wife is called to submit to her own husband. Not to every man, not to all men, but to her own husband. This calling is unqualified, meaning it doesn't matter whether the wife is more qualified, knows more scripture, or even has a greater spiritual maturity. A wife submits to the order in which God established. The one that she's chosen is her intimate possession, and he, and she, his. I love in the Song of Songs, it says, I'm my beloved, and my beloved is mine. There's this, there's this, this ownership of each other, this beautiful love relationship that a husband and wife come together as one. Now, what did we establish last week? What was the purpose of marriage? Is that two would become one, that there would be a oneness in the relationship between a husband and wife, moving forward together, equally gifted in different areas, moving forward in the order that God created it to be. Woman was created from man, taken from the, the rib of Adam to be a helpmate. I'm so thankful for my helpmate. I'm so thankful for my wife, Amy, who, who has so much. She's so different. We are so different in so many different ways. And yet together, the oneness that we have together makes for a very powerful unit. And that's what God desired when there was a relationship between a husband and a wife together. Now, here's where it gets hard. And sadly, many of the issues that we've found as we've counseled people in marriage is that often men don't live a life that would seem worthy of submitting to. They don't treat their wives right. And so it makes it very hard for a woman to submit to that. So what do we do in that situation? Let me be very clear. If a husband or a partner is abusive, Emotionally, physically, spiritually, sexually, at any point, that is not right. I want to make that very, very clear. If that is the situation you're facing or you have faced, you have every right to be out of that relationship, seek help, and do what needs to be done. That's not what I'm talking about, submitting at all costs. Because if, if your husband has not done that, he has broken his covenant that he's made between God and you. But if he is simply spiritually immature, even an unbeliever, Paul says, you can, as an unbelieving wife, you could live a life that would bring your husband to the Lord. You can still submit to him as unto the Lord. And here's why. Because in your submission, you are ultimately submitting to Christ as the head of the church. It's difficult, maybe, for some. For some, it's not a challenge at all. But understanding that our submission, this is the order in which God established it. This has got nothing to do with value, but order. It says, for the, his husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. 
A husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church, which means that a husband's headship is in direct correlation with his submission to Christ. So how is that to be understood? A husband's leadership in a Christian home is God-ordained and a reflection of Christ's love for his church. How does that work for our relationships? Well, Amy and I, in April, we will be married 25 years. 25 years, getting stronger. Our relationship gets better and better. Still faces just as many challenges as it did in day one. But we're maturing, we're growing together. And can I tell you, in 25 years, I've never pulled the, you're my wife, you must submit to me line on Amy. Can I suggest that if you ever have to pull that line, you're probably not leading husbands. This is a a decision of a wife to submit to God's order. We've had plenty of disagreements, right, darling? Most of the time, we sort it out. We'll be honest, look, sometimes we got to walk away. We've got to walk away from the conversation because it's getting a little bit heated. Our opinions are clashing. What she thinks, what I think, we can't find agreement on that. What are you doing that? Well, in your anger, do not sin, right? Sometimes you actually have to step away, calm yourself, pray, ask God for wisdom, and we do that. But the strength of our relationship is we come back real quick. We come back to each other because we're so committed to the oneness that God has given us. And so we will go and do whatever needs to be done. In fact, if we haven't done it right, our children will tell us, you better sort it out, Dad. You were mean to Mum. Just had that a few weeks ago. Like, you didn't talk nicely to her. I'm like, you are right. Now I've got to apologize to my children and then my wife. But hey, I'm not that proud that I can't do that. When I'm wrong, I'll put my hand up and I'll say it. And we come back together in prayer. And most often we say, should we pray about that? I'll tell you what the difference that makes when you've got a disagreement as a husband and wife. It's like, have we actually prayed about this or have we just talked about it? When we actually pray about it, the difference in the outcome is incredible. But you know what? There have been times and, and only a few times in our marriage where we haven't just known exactly what to do. And in those times, Amy has submitted to my leadership as the head of the home and said, it's your call, Mike. I trust you. When we're facing the decision to move to, uh, to Tauranga, uh, we were children's pastors and overseeing the family ministries at Botany. Uh, we're enjoying what we're doing. Uh, we're in line to have IVF treatment. We're trying to have children. Uh, we weren't able to, and it was a difficult emotional time for us as a family, and especially for, for Amy as a uh, wanting to be a mother. And so we had this opportunity to, to move to Tauranga to, to help serve in a church where the pastor was sick with cancer, and we ended up moving there in the end, and he, he passed away only six weeks after we arrived, a real challenging time for the church and for us as well. But we were... It was kind of one of those situations we could stay or we could go. And, and both options seemed right. They could have been right. I feel like it was one of those moments sometimes God gives us, well, you choose. I'll bless you either way. You go left or right, it's okay. Either way, we'll be, we'll be good. And so we, we were kind of weighing it up. And, and we got to the point where Amy said, this is just too hard for me to make this decision. Mike, I trust you to lead us and make the right call. Do you know how seriously I took that as the head of the home 
to, to, to potentially move my wife and, and move away from her own family in Auckland. I got before God. I cried. I remember the carpet time I spent seeking God for his will and waiting and listening for his voice. And he spoke to me through his word. Out of Isaiah 51 and a couple of other passages, speaking about how Abraham left before he got his promise. It just spoke so clearly to us that there was the promise of children. It was coming, but it wouldn't happen in the way we, we thought it would. And we'd have to go before we get that promise. And, and on that, I was able to go back and say, this is what God's spoken to me about. And she says, I trust you. Let's go. That's submission. That's me leading as the head of the home. I didn't have to pull a, you submit to me card. She willingly offered that submission to me in our relationship. So wives, in regards to your husband's call to be the head of the home, you've got a choice. You can submit as you would to Christ or subvert. To subvert means to undermine an established authority because that's another choice we get to make as well. Will we submit or will we subvert? A wise and Christ-honoring wife will not try to undermine her husband's leadership, but in everything she does, there's a desire to submit, to surrender, to honor, to love and respect. So, wives, here's how you can honor God in your marriage. And this seems quite simple, but would you ask your husband to lead you? Ask him, invite him. If you don't feel like he is and he should, ask. Can I suggest not in the middle of a heated argument? When things aren't going well and you're yelling at each other, you never lead me, you never pray for me. That's probably not the time to say that. But sit down in a quiet time, in a moment where you can speak to each other calmly and with, with measure. So I would love you to lead me. I would love you to pray for me. And husbands, come on. If it hasn't been happening, there's no condemnation. But if this is a conviction of Holy Spirit saying, come on, I know I can do better. Just start with a prayer. A prayer of blessing over your wife over your children, and begin to lead. I can tell you in 25 years of counseling you know, couples and, and marriage and ministry, I've yet to see a family fall apart where the husband regularly prays over his wife. Haven't yet. And, and submission in those relationships is never an issue because both are living according to the order that God established. Sometimes a husband, a father, doesn't follow through with his responsibility. We have that where, where families are now being led by a mother rather than having a father and a mother together. And that's hard. That's hard. But can I tell you, there's no condemnation. Those mums that are leading their homes, and we have some, some of the greatest people I know in this place, in this church, are doing a phenomenal job of raising their children, even without a husband alongside them. I tell you that being a part of this church is important, stay connected. You know what, there's going to be other guys that might step in and help, maybe leading and helping your children in different moments in, in your life. But can I tell you, you still are covered by Jesus who is the head of the church. So therefore, if you submit to Christ, you have the full covering and protection of God over your life as well. 
What about husbands? Strap yourself in because it's going to get real, real quick. Husbands, love your wife. Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Some of us say, I love my wife. But Paul gives us the instruction and also how to love as Christ loved the church. How did he do that? By giving up his life for us. If we truly follow the example of Paul, the way he describes this in the example of Christ, husbands, we will lay down our lives for our wife. Ladies, wives, your role is to submit. Husbands, yours is to die. <laughs> Sorry, that's, I, I can't read it any other way. What did Christ do for, for us? He gave of himself. He laid down his life and he died for his bride. That is my responsibility. Died of my own rights, my own feelings, my emotions, and all the insecurities that guys we feel and we have. And I die to that. And I love my wife and I lay down my life for her. How did Jesus model that? He says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Come on, nothing is a problem when we're serving our families, right, men? All the chores, they're not chores, they're responsibilities, right? We don't have chores, we've got responsibilities because we're men. So yeah, wash the dishes, mow the lawns, clean the house, put your socks and your clothes away. Put my hand up for that one. Come on, we love our wives by laying down our lives for them. Gentlemen, love a sacrifice for your wife, for your family. I love some of our young men, some of our teenagers. Come on, if you're a teenage guy, give us a wave. Teenage guys, love you guys. I love what is happening in your life. I love that you're submitting your life to Christ. And one day, maybe, maybe one day, you'll become an adult. You're well on your way and you're doing a great job. And we are so proud of you and the young men that you're becoming. You know what? Maybe, maybe one day God says, I, I want you to, to marry this girl. Can I tell you, you got to really count the cost. you got to make a decision. Will I sacrifice myself for them? Because if you can't and you won't, then I would encourage you to stay single. Because your wife does not deserve, come on, our wives do not deserve a selfish husband. Let me just say, there's going to be a great screening process the moment somebody wants to take out one of my daughters. Just saying. And they know it. <laughs> Three things. Got to love God with all their heart. Got to love them. And got to support Liverpool. Just those three... <laughs> <laughs> the words. Come on, the Warriors. They can support the Warriors. I'll be happy with that. <laughs> and you know what? Two out of three will be fine. All right? So if they don't support Liverpool, I'll, we'll walk through that one. But they've got to love Jesus, and they've got to love their wife and love my daughter and lay down their life for them. Ephesians 5.26 goes on. It says, That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Men, we have to lead spiritually. It is our responsibility. That means 
our wife, our children, we pray for them, we lead them in the word. Now, some of us, and you know, a message like this, it, it, it's kind of going to fall pretty heavy on some people. Saying, well, I don't feel like I'm leading my family well. It's okay, start today. Start today with an apology that says, I'm sorry. Sorry, I haven't led like I, I wanted to. I, I want to learn and I want to grow. And open the word daily, man. Please open the word daily and read it. And if, if all you did was open the word and read it for yourself, but then also for your wife and your children, what a difference that will begin to make. Don't say I've failed, so therefore I'm a failure. No, no, just start today. Start tomorrow with the grace of God. And he, he wants us to step up as men in his grace and love our wives. Paul gives us also an interesting insight when he says in verse 28, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. I find it fascinating that Paul speaks of the men loving their own bodies. Because I would say probably many women would look in the mirror and go, there's a lot of things I'd want to change there. Whereas guys, we look in the mirror and go, you're right. Most of us guys, we think we're far better than we really are. But we've got a pretty healthy self-esteem of, you know, we look at the mirror and go, look at that. That is awesome. But you know what? We take care of ourselves. You know, we, we take care of each our own needs. So we feed ourselves, right? Any males struggle to feed themselves? No, we feed ourselves. So, so we should love our wife. We should treat our wife as we would our own body. So if we're feeding our own bodies, should we not feed our own wife? Love her, serve her, take care of her. And the third instruction regarding families, we turn to a child's response. How will our children know what is right? It's not ask your mother, not according to Paul. Let's have a look. Number three, fathers, train your children. Ephesians 6, 4. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Other versions say, do not exasperate your children, fathers. Now, I don't think a, you know, a well-placed dad joke is out of line. I think, I think dad jokes are acceptable. It's kind of a rite of passage, right, as, as, as men. You know, hi, dad, I'm hungry. It's like, hi, hungry, I'm dad. Yeah, come on, we've, we've used it. It's acceptable, the rolling back in the eyes of, of, a, of a child. Oh, dad. But we're talking about exasperating our children getting them upset with us because we're not leading them right, training them right. The role of a father is to train our children in the way of the Lord. And as, as the team come this morning, you know, men, we've got to make sure that our kids are in the Word, that they're learning to read the Word themselves, that we are reading it to them as well. We've had seasons where we've read right through the Bible with our, with our kids, the Action Bible. If, if you're looking for different age ranges of Bibles to get your kids in the Word of God, can I encourage you to go to Manor Bookstore? Um, Sharon and Sam and the team there, that they have some incredible resources. And there's different Bibles at different ages. We've got one Bible called the Action Bible, 
which is kind of like a comic strip, and it and it goes through so many of the stories in the Bible. And um, our Zoe now is reading it herself. But for a couple of years, we would read through the passages together. We'd read through the Bible story together. But we've got to, as fathers, it's our responsibility to train our children in the Word. But as I bring it to a close, there's one thing I want to speak about, the last part of this passage, the role and responsibility of a child. Because we're all children. We all have parents. Maybe some are with us and some, some are gone. But we're given an instruction as children as our role within the family. What is the responsibility of a child? You know, there's been a shift in our culture and our society, right? Where children now seem to have more rights than parents. The child could come to their parent, a little girl could come to their parent and say, I'm, I'm a boy. And a parent can't speak to that. And other nations, and coming into our own nation, we can't speak to that. Got to let a child go with their undeveloped brain and follow through with potentially life-changing, altering decisions. Come on, our role is to raise adults. As parents, we raise our children to become adults so that they can live a life with godly understanding and foundations. I am more comfortable when my child says I'm a unicorn, right? I'm like, and a fine unicorn you are. But come on, we need to tell our boys that they're boys becoming men. We need to tell our girls that they're girls becoming young women. We need to be able to speak it with a boldness and a confidence because the Word of God does not lie and it does not change. Even if society wants to shift and wants to go in a different direction, we don't. We stay with the Word of God. So lastly, children, honour your father and mother. Yeah, Paul picks up on the fifth commandment, which is the first commandment speaking to the way we would treat one another. So the first four and the 10 commandments talk about our relationship with God, how we love God. The last six talk about our relationship with people. And the first one that Moses establishes or God speaks to Moses is children, obey your parents. Children, honour your parents. And it's the only commandment that actually comes with a blessing. That says, so that you will live long in the land. God wanted to establish that. Those commandments, He's saying, come on, children, you've got to honor your parents. That's the order. As a, as a wife would submit to a husband, as a, as a husband would love his wife, children submit to honor your parents. Our daughter Zoe is a cracker. Like she's, she's got some good humor and you better believe she's going to claim some money for this story but um, uh, Amy and I were um, having a rest in the bedroom come on parents you know what that means and uh, we heard Zoe and her her voice uh, she's she kind of goes around the house going uh, hey Siri and then she so she asks herself a question and then she answers the question herself uh, so we heard hey Siri Am I in charge? And, and look, I'm sorry if I've turned everybody's series on. So, And I, I, I just called out, no, you're not. You're not in charge. I don't want her to be in charge. She's not ready to be in charge. 
come on, parents, we're in charge. And it's right that we're in charge because we've seen things that our kids haven't seen. We know things that they don't yet know. And can I just speak to our teenagers? Honour your parents. Please honour your parents. They see things you don't see yet. They see dangers that you don't see. Honour them with your words. Honour them with your behaviour. The Bible says you will live long in the land if you do that. You know, as a child, I wasn't perfect, not even close. But all of us as, as, as children, we honoured mum and dad. Yeah, we didn't really have many curfews. We didn't really need them because we were open in our communication and our conversation with mum and dad. And when we were out of line, we were brought back into line. That's the role of parents. But also the role of a child is to honour your parents. Honour your parents with obedience, with honour, with the words we speak. And I know there's a bunch of emotion running through and there's hormones and everything like that goes through a teenager's brain. And it's hard and we don't know quite how to process all of that. And that's okay. That's why your parents are there to help you and guide you and help you become the adult that you're meant to be. But you know what our girls need to hear from their fathers? From their fathers. You're strong. You're brave. You're capable of achieving great things. You have emotions that will allow you to feel, to love, to passionately defend what is right. You are of great worth and value. And any guy that does not treat you that way does not deserve you. Come on, fathers, we need to say this to our boys. You are strong and courageous. One day you're gonna have to stand for what is right against the popular opinion of your friends. You will be a man of God's Word. Come on, we've got to declare that over our boys. You will be a man of God's Word and will love others with a sacrificial love. There will be days you don't know what is right and wrong, but you will go to the Word of God and you will find the answers. In those days, remember God's Word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. We've got to start declaring that, fathers, over our children. Mothers, Speak it over your children. And children, would you honour your parents? This morning, would you just maybe close your eyes for a moment and just consider your, your place and your space within family, whether you're a child, whether you're a husband or a wife. Maybe you're not married yet. This still applies to all of us. We, we, we all have a part to play within this family unit. But I, I want to ask a question. If today you have felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that in your role, maybe as a husband or a wife or as a child, that God's saying, I, I, I want you to change. I want you to fulfill that role with my strength and my help. I want us to do something in a moment. You know, when Paul uh, speaks of the armor of God, he speaks of the helmet of salvation, the, the belt of truth. The, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit. And then right at the end, he says, and having done all, stand. I just really felt to do something this morning. And that's to invite, if that's you, you feel like God has convicted you in some of these areas to be a, a better husband, a better father, a better child. With God's help, remember, it's not you, it's, it's God's help, God's empowering Holy Spirit in your life. If, if you feel that God is calling you 
to step up in that, in that role. Would you stand? Would you just stand right now as a sign of surrender? Say, God, I recognize I need to take some steps and I need your help. Would you just stand? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Having done all, we stand. We stand on the righteousness of Christ. Father, I thank you for every every person standing today with the conviction of the Holy Spirit, saying, I want to be a father. I want to be a husband that would love his wife, as a wife to submit to their husband as unto Christ, as children to honour their parents. Father, I pray for strength and courage. Lord, we can't do this in our own strength, but in your strength it is possible and we are able. Empower us, Holy Spirit, to do the work that you call us to. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.